thank you for allowing me to be back tonight, and I'm glad you're here. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Colossians chapter 4. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 4. <clears throat> I uh, got a burden in 1978 to print the Bible because I believed that God's Word ought to be provided by God's people for God's people. And uh, I believe that if we should not turn that important job over to the world. Um, so we started a ministry called Bearing Precious Seed. <clears throat> it, it did not, I did not start that for all that's happened since then. Uh, that's all been of the Lord, and I'm as surprised about it as you are. I think now <clears throat> we've printed well over 150 million copies uh, of uh, the scriptures, either in New Testament, whole Bibles, or John and Romans. I think in 40-some languages in 102 countries. And then uh, <clears throat> in 1999, uh, God led me to add to that by having a ministry called First Bible International. Uh, and I realized Bearing Precious Seed was a wonderful ministry and has been a, a great blessing to a lot of missionaries because we give most of them away free. But I realized we were printing Bibles <clears throat> for where Bibles already were and are, and that's not wrong, but that's not enough. And so I, I, I discovered there was 6,000 people groups. Now that's a group of people who all speak the same language. 6,000 people groups without the Bible <clears throat> in, in their mother tongue. And I learned that 4,000 of those had a language, and, and, and I mean a dictionary, and a written language in 2000 did not have even a written language or a dictionary or any, and so they had to be taught how to recognize their own words and all kind of things. So anyway, uh, there's 6,000 people without uh, uh, the Word of God. And I hate to keep talking about that, but uh, that kind of keeps my uh, bell ring. I just want to live with that. And then uh, uh, <clears throat> for years, I saw missions as a participation in an activity and not working toward the completion of one. Now, there's a big difference. Uh, if I'd run the, run the Boston Marathon, at my age and my weight, you wouldn't expect me to win. But I couldn't brag to my grandkids I, was a, I ran it. I participated. But I don't think God wants us to participate without a goal of completing. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I think the assignment was given with an idea of completion, don't you? Thank you, Brother King. Then I found this out. I found out that we can't get where the, where the gospel is not without taking the Bible with us. So now we're into Bible translation. We just finished translating the Mongolian New Testament. I think we've had some part in 40-some languages. The re most recent, and we did it all ourselves. Uh, the translators was uh, on our team and from a Baptist church and and uh, the uh, translators, the national translators was <clears throat> from uh, uh, local churches. And so anyway, uh, and it took us several hundred thousand dollars, I think about almost three hundred thousand dollars in eight years uh, to get that done. <clears throat> so we started that in this first Bible because we realized that we're to complete the Great Commission. We can't complete it without the Bible. 
And uh, so I'm gonna, I want to talk to you tonight briefly about the place of the Bible in world evangelism. The place of the Bible in world evangelism. We know there's a place for prayer. And I hear that preached, and I preach that myself. I don't think we do enough of it, by the way. I know there's a place of prayer for in world evangelism. There's a place of money. You can't do without money. Uh, so there's a place of money in world evangelism, and there's a place for the man. Now, we all have addressed those subjects. I'm sure your pastors have, and I have, and other missionaries have. There's always a place for the uh, uh, prayer, and a place for money, and a place for a man. But one day it dawned on me there's also a necessary place for the Bible in the Great Commission. And that's what I want to talk to you briefly tonight. And so I want you to go to Colossians chapter 4. And I'll read, please, at verse 15. And I'll read down through verse 16. And then I'll make my prayer and briefly give you what God has given me. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos, and the church which is in his house. <clears throat> And when this epistle, this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of Laodiceans, and that likewise ye read the epistle from Laodicea. Now look please, if you would, in verse 16, it says, uh, and when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. What Paul is saying here is, you be sure what you've got, others get. What you've received, be sure others get. And what others have received, be sure that you get. And so uh, I want to talk to you about cause that it be read. <clears throat> um, there's a common denominator in the places where the gospel is not. Where the gospel is not, there's also something else that never is, and that is there's never a Bible. The absence of the Bible is the common denominator in the places where the gospel's not gotten to yet. And it's not going to get there until we realize that it is a missing element and a necessary element in world evangelism, and it is something that the church is supposed to provide. We don't go to the outside world and get the money. We don't go to the outside world and get prayer. We don't go to the outside world and find men. We might, we might get Presbyterian missionaries cheaper than Baptists, but we're not going to send them because they're cheaper. Amen. Thank you, Brother King. We get everything from the church. And so, for the last 50 years, the gospel has made no serious inroads into the 6,000 unreached people groups. The reason for that is, is because we've not seen the need of the Bible in the Great Commission. I entered the ministry in 19 and uh, as a, I hate to use the word job, but as a profession, and I don't like to use that word, in 1964. Uh, and and uh, when I entered the ministry in 1964, those older preachers uh, were saying to us young guys, the world is half unreached. Half the world doesn't have the Bible. Half the world doesn't have the church. Half the world doesn't have the gospel. You know what I'm saying 52 years later? Half the world doesn't have the Bible. Half the world doesn't have uh, the gospel. Half the world doesn't know Christ. And in spite of that, 
Uh, we sent, keep sending missionaries and keep sending money and all that, and yet half the world is still unreached. And it's not going to be reached until we take seriously and address the issue of the absence of the Bible in world evangelism. So I want to talk to you about that just for a little while. Uh, first of all, I want you to know that we have, we have Bible uh, examples of the Bible being part of God's plan for his people. We have Bible examples of the Bible being part of God's plan for his people. Let me give you an example. Moses. Remember the people of uh, God's people were in Egypt for 430 years. Moses went down and, uh, and they pulled off the Exodus and they went through the Red Sea and they got out of captivity and out from under the rod of Pharaoh and God is going to start now molding them into a people for himself and for his glory and for his work. The first place they went to when they got out from under Pharaoh and Egypt was Sinai. And guess what they got on Sinai? The Bible. They got the Ten Commandments. And for the next 1,200 years until the New Testament, the next 1,200 years, God kept giving them Scripture. The reason he's giving them Scripture because... He knew that they could not be what they ought to be without some written stuff from him. And so that was true in, in Moses' day. How about the Apostle Paul? When the Apostle Paul started his church planning effort, you know what he started doing? Sending the word of God to those churches where he was going to or heard about, such as the church at Rome. He wrote them something. The church, the, the, the church at, uh, at uh, Corinth, he wrote them something. The churches of Galatia, he wrote them something. The church at Ephesus, he wrote them something. The church at, Philippi, uh, at, uh, at uh, Colossae, he wrote them something. The church at Philippi, he wrote them something. The churches at Thessalonica, he wrote them something. So if we're going to do what we should do, what should we do? Just guess at it. We should write them something. We should give those who don't have the Word of God some written Word of God so they can be the church they ought to be. We, 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 must, see, we must understand, folks, that the Word of God is a, has a central place in the Great Commission. So we have some biblical examples of that, and then we have some historical examples. When the, when the gospel was making inroads into the unreached people groups of our world, it was, it was during a time when missionaries were going as church planting, Bible translating missionaries. For instance, Kerry went to India. Everybody knows his story. He translated the Bible in the Indian language, language of several of them as he planted churches. And because he translated the Bible, he could get into an unreached people group because he had Bible translating skills. Moffat went to Africa, and uh, uh, it is said that David Livingston said that he, Moffat said, I've seen the smoke of a thousand villages in the morning mist in Africa. And he, he went as a church planning, Bible translating missionary, and he got into an unreached people group. Or how about Judson going to Burma? He went to Burma with a, and translated the Bible and got into an unreached people group. What are you trying to say, Brother Keen? I'm trying to say the early missionaries were Bible translating church planters. 
Someplace along the line, and I'm not sure where, we quit sending missionaries that could, that could translate the Bible. And, the, and, and they know the Bible was no longer a central item in missionary work. When that happened, guess what also happened? We quit going to new places. We no longer went to places that didn't have the Word of God and didn't have a church and didn't have a gospel. We end up going where the gospel already is. Now, don't get mad at me when I say this. We should be working on places where the Bible is, where the Bible and the gospel is not also. I mean, we should be working on that because without that, they're never going to get saved and get have a church without the Bible. Um, I, I used to have these memorized, but I don't right now. Do you know most of our missionaries that we send out from America go to, America, go to five countries? Now, and after a while, I think we might have enough there, wherever there is. But, but we force them to go there because we haven't taught them to translate the Bible, and, and they can't translate it, and therefore they can't go where the Bible's not, because you can't plant a church where the Bible is not. So what should we do? Well, what we need to do is realize that uh, uh, we need to get the Bible as central in our mission work. I want to ask you a question. Why did God preserve the Bible? Because it's necessary for all people to have it if they're going to know him. So we need to get the Bible translated so they can have it and know him. So here's the bad news. You mean there's more bad news, preacher? Here's the bad news. The bad news is the world is never going to print the Bible for the unreached people groups because there's no profit in it. See, unreached people groups sometimes are small. Maybe 350 to 500 people sometimes. And it takes thousands of dollars to print a Bible for people, so they're not going to print a Bible for 500 people and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or at least a, a, a lot of dollars and have a, a market of 450 when they're done. They're not going to do that. Only God's people love God will do that. I was uh, preaching sometime back in the Ambassador Baptist College in North Carolina. And a man came up to me and he was just a little strange to be frank about it. And I met his wife and daughter, two daughters later, and they were also strange. They had to, I mean, raised raisin in New Guinea, so what do you expect? They had dresses on great, big flowers on those dresses, and I mean, they just didn't fit us. I, it reminded me of that Wheaties box when that guy and that old girl used to stand there with a pitchfork in their hand, you know. Look, I said, you, 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 maybe you're too young to remember that. But anyway, they were, they were not, they didn't fit our culture. And he said to me, Dr. King, you could help me if you would. And I said, what can I do for you, sir? He said, I, I spent, I think he said 32 years in New Guinea, translating the New Testament to a tribe of people. Then I got sick before I got done, had to come home. And now I'm well and want to go back. And I can't get pastors uh, to, to re-support me. Would you help me? And so I said, well, I, I will, but I need to talk to your pastor first. Make sure you're... Uh, on, on the up and up, and I talked to his pastor, and he's pastor that he's stranger than anybody, but he's really a good man. And so I said, I'll help you. But I said, now, I want to know the second thing. How many, pe how many people's in your tribe? That you, he said 450. Now, you, you, would you just put a little math to that? 
Here's a man that he, 25 years, he said, he and his wife and his two daughters had all spent 25 years in New Guinea translating the Bible. That's 100 years of human life for 450 people. Now, is the world going to do that? No. The bad news is, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. The world's not going to provide the Bible for all these unreached people groups, and yet they go to hell if they don't get saved. The bad news is, the world's not going to do it. Here's the good news. The good news is the church is awakening to the need. Fifteen years ago, I thought 1040 was an oil. I never heard of 1040 window, did you? I never heard of unreached people groups. I never heard of any of that stuff. And then I got to reading up and doing a little research, and I found out that 1040 is, a, is part of the map. If you think of a map, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, 10 degrees above the equator to 40 degrees above the equator from Japan across southern uh, Asia and northern Africa, and that's called the 1040 window. In that 1040 window are mostly unreached people groups. And they're without the word of God. And so the good news is uh, the church is starting to wake up. Our churches are starting to wake up to that. The good news is we now have enough printing equipment that we don't have to go to the world to print it. In, in, in Milford, we have all kind of printing equipment in Milford and other churches, other places do. Uh, the good news is that we're starting to hear about the 1040 window in Mongolia and, and uh, uh, all those, India and all those countries that don't have the Bible. What do you need, Brother Keen? Well, what we need is uh, prayer and what we need is men and, and what we need is funding. Uh, we don't need the Bible without the man. If you'd stack Bibles on this platform... For every unreached people group, I'm going to give you a shocking truth. None of those Bibles have legs or a mouth or arms to hug or legs to walk or a mouth to speak or ears to hear. What we'd have to have, we have to have men, we have to have the Bible, we have to have prayer, we have to have funds. And uh, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm challenging you to get involved in providing and helping some that don't that need to read it to be able to read it. Do you know how many unreached people groups there are? Would you write this down in your memory? There's six thousand. Do you know how many churches like this one right here there are in America? Maybe not as good a preacher, maybe not as good a music, maybe not as nice a building, maybe not as big. But doctrinally, there's thirteen thousand churches like this one. In America alone, that doesn't include Europe or Africa or South America. Just in this country, 13,000 churches like this, there's only 6,000 people groups. Well, we could beat up on that crowd easy if we get the vision and get at it. If every church should take a language, what if it took 20 years to do it? People say, well, what, uh, how long would it take? I got a better question. When will you start? And so if we can get some folks involved, uh, and uh, so God has given me a little plan. I want to uh, share it with you, but uh, I want to tell you this before I do that, though. Our churches and our schools are starting to get the idea of the place of the Bible in world evangelism. I've had two of the leading Bible colleges 
uh, among Baptists asked me to start a curriculum and a program, a degreed program for Bible translation on their campus. And I got it all worked out. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to do it because I promised my wife I wouldn't. But I, uh, somebody, I, I get somebody to do it. I'm about ready to retire. I'm going to buy me a fishing pole and her a flower pot and just sit there on the front porch. Ha, ha, ha. I told uh, the pa- pastor today, I, I, uh, uh, I, I'm in the Guinness World Book of Records for the living man who retired the most times. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, but I've had two colleges tell me they'll give me their facilities and some of their faculty. And uh, if I'll just come and start a Bible translation uh, school on their property. Now, that's wonderful. If you don't know that, that's great because that would train missionaries to go as missionary translating church planters so that they could go to these 6,000 people groups. So what would it cost for the king? Well, we know this. There's about a thousand chapters in the Old Testament. We know it costs about $400 a chapter to translate uh, a chapter about four hundred dollars. If I could find a thousand people that would do one chapter, we could do a, an Old Testament of any language, and then I'd give you three years to retire your four hundred dollars. So in three years, we'd have enough money for another Mo- uh, Mongolian type Bible. Uh, and uh, I thought about that, and I thought, well, maybe if I would get to 100 families to do that, and they'd take one or two or three, and then uh, maybe some Sunday school classes would take a few, and maybe the Christian school in the church would take some, and the first thing you know, we get 100 chapters out of a church. And uh, uh, we just need 10 churches like that, and we've got another Bible in translation process. I went to uh, Mongolia. I went to New York City the other day to meet the president of Mongolia. I was telling the pastor, uh, and uh, had an appointment to see him. And I know him. I've talked to him and had lunch with him before. Uh, in 1986, he led the revolution against communism to make Mongolia a uh, democracy. And he said to me, Dr. King, we are trying to make this country a democracy. And uh, you can't have a democracy without a moral base. We ought to learn that here. You can't have it in mocks that moral base. And he said, what better book to teach us morals than the Bible? And he said, would you come to Mongolia and I'll help you get in and, and uh, translate the Bible for us. So I went to, Mon- I, I went to New York to, to present it to him. We, we, we're a draft copy. We're all done with it, the, old, the New Testament. And I went there to present the New Testament to him and then to make a commitment to him to finish the Old Testament. It used to be I wasn't much for the Old Testament. A lot of stuff there I don't understand. Uh, but uh, I've had people ask me, we need the Old Testament too. People have said in, in, on the mission field, you know, we really, leave, we really are more like the Old Testament people than the New Testament people because we, we have to deal with idols and, and, uh, and uh, uh, all that, uh, altars and all the false and all that kind of thing. He said, we need the New Testament. Then one guy said, I want you to do the book of Deuteronomy for me. Now, what in the world do you need a book of Deuteronomy for? You know what he said? Hygiene. He said, we're dirty. We're a dirty people. 
We die young, we're dirty, physically. We don't, about dirt, we don't know anything about hygiene. And he said, the greatest, book, the greatest book on earth on hygiene is the book of Deuteronomy. And so I, all I'm saying is they want the whole thing. And the other day God said to me, I, I was trying to uh, tell him I was going to finish this New Testament and I'm, I'm pulling out. He said, well, why don't you go back and finish what you started? He gave me that from Numbers chapter 31. He said, go back and, and finish what you started. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, finish the whole Bible for the Mongolian people. And so I said, I'll do that. And so I signed up to do that. And I went up there to, to uh, uh, New York City in Manhattan, by the way, where all the bombs were going off and everything, to, to uh, meet with the president of uh, uh, Mongolia and present this New Testament to him. And I got there and they said, we're sorry your time is, your, with, with the president has been overridden by the general secretary of the UN's time. He's called a meeting of all the presidents. They had a big deal up there. All the presidents that are in, in New York City from around the world, I think, to discuss terror. And, and your meeting is, he's, he's, he's come on top of you and you can't meet the president. Well, I really felt discouraged. But I, I live with discouragement, so I, I could live with that. And I thought, I feel sorry for them. I took 12 or 13 preachers with me, and I, I felt sorry for them because they're going to have to go back and tell their church. We went with Brother Keen and spent all this money. I mean, you know, hamburgers, $20 without the, without the pickle. I mean, it's terrible. And anyway, so I said, fellas, I hate to tell you this, but we're not going to meet with the president. And those guys all love me, see? And I think they pitied me because I, I really felt bad about it. And so uh, we had a little meeting and, the, and they started committing money to the Old Testament for Mongolia. And I got to feeling better. One guy gave me $200,000. Four weeks done, they gave, and this is in commitments, four weeks done, they'd given $450,000 toward a $500,000 project you know, I don't, I don't care if I ever see that president. Because all I'm trying to say is, I'm telling you, God is starting to move among us to get the Bible into, into the Great Commission so it can be completed. He wants worship by some from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. And right now, half the world would never worship or know God or he be able to enjoy their worship because they don't know God, they don't have a Bible, and uh, I want to challenge you as a church. And I, uh, I don't have any pride anymore. I just, I'm not trying to beat around the bush. I just need folks that'll help us get the Word of God translated, so the gospel can go and Christ can be known, and He'd have worshipers in heaven. So Paul said, "Cause that it be read," and uh, I want to challenge you that maybe God will have you do something.